0: Hello and welcome, everyone, to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John. I'm joined by Ian. What up? So, Ian, how have your modern streams been going?
1: Pretty good, actually. I went four and one last night. Um, I lost to Death Shadow agro, which kind of stunk, but that's not. I mean, it's just that's one of those like whoever beats beats down quickest. Yeah. I don't care. I did beat somebody who cast a, who was playing Mono Butron, who cast a Mind Slaver didn't crack it and then I just won the next turn. It was great.
0: <laughs> we, we will have to do a recap of your modern streams at some uh, at some other point because today we're going to be talking about the Shadows of Innistrad story breakdown with our special guest from Gathering Magic, Carrie Thomas Barkett, aka Vronos on Twitter. Carrie, thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, no problem at all. Um, I'm Carrie. I write for Gathering Magic. And I focus mainly on the story of Magic. I do a little bit of other stuff, but yeah, it's exciting.
1: How'd you get into it?
2: Um, back in Battle for Zendikar, I really started to dive in. Um, Zendikar was kind of my jam, like, plane-wise. And I had known a lot of the history stuff, um, talked to Stibbs, who was the editor there at the time, got on and started writing about Battle for Zendikar's story, and I've just stayed on since. Nice.
0: Nice. I mean, Battle for Zendikar's story plays a little bit into what we're going to be talking about today with Shadows of Innistrad, especially with the recent reveals. Yeah. Because Eldritch Moon spoilers <laughs> started on Monday. Not well. super officially, but we've seen we've seen three and a half cards. Uh, we've seen Emrakul, <laughs> which, by the way, Carrie, I can't believe this, because back in September of last year, you called a 13-mana, 13-13 Emrakul on Innistrad, before Shadows of Innistrad was announced.
2: So that's kind of a funny story because I I figured we would get around to Instrad at some point. I didn't think it was going to be directly after though. So once Shadows of Instrad was announced on Halloween, I was like completely mind blown and I had forgotten about the tweet for like some months since and like occasionally retweeted it to make sure that people like remembered it existed. But and besides that, j- yeah.
1: And then it just exploded once you're like, oh, yeah. uh,
2: here you go. Once Merry it was Christmas. actually confirmed. That was uh, pretty man. fun.
0: That was silly. Uh, we've also seen a blue card, Coax from the Blind Eternities, which is kind of an Eldrazi wish. It can grab Eldrazi cards from your sideboard in competitive play, or if you just have a binder of Eldrazi sitting around, like I know somebody at my LGS has, um, you can just grab them from there. We've also seen the Legendary Werewolf, which has gotten mixed reviews, um, particularly from the community. I like them. <sighs>
1: Whatever I like him, he's cool.
0: Yeah, Ulrich, he is a big bad dude. And then we saw we saw half of a card because we only, we were only given the backside of a double face card. But we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show because we want to talk all about Shadows of Innistrad's story because the story of this set has been or this block rather has been very engaging. And in some places, it's been a little controversial, uh, especially reading around some of the some of the Magic communities. There's been mixed reaction to how the story has gone down. So, we're just going to go ahead and bring everybody up to date with what we've seen in the story. Uh, In in the show notes below, I'm going to link to the Shadows of Innistrad story hub. There are, I think it was 12 episodes. There are a few episodes that don't tie in directly to the main story. Um, There was the introduction where we met Arlen. Uh, There was another episode, which I don't have in the show notes, but it talks about kind of the start of the madness on Innistrad. There's another episode about Gisa and Geralt, the zombie twins. As I like to call them, uh, and then well, that's basically not, not
1: the ones, not the ones in our state, though. Just
0: <laughs> no, 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 not, not, not those twins. The Geesa <laughs> who sings her zombies out of the ground, and Geralf who stitches them together. Uh, and then those and then are the, kind of the side stories. The Get Rog Toad. Oh, the Get Toad, which is story. another, yeah, Forgot another, another that one. Of the oh man, Sanda. that that story <laughs> took me for so many loops. It was. We had, it was fun.
1: And we had the slight side story too of a, uh, Audric.
0: Yeah, of Audric and Thalia. That's right. Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit later. So, quick recap of Battle for Zendikar. Kerry, uh, do you want to just go ahead?
2: Um, well, we started off Battle for Zendikar, everybody coming back from kind of scattered anorums. Um We had Gideon coming back from Ravnica to actually like permanently help out on Zendikar. Um, we had Jace, who he, Gideon had recruited. We had Chandra, who only came in halfway through the story. And then we had Nisa, who was protecting her home plane. Yeah. Um, their first attempt at capturing the only Eldrazi Titan they knew who had been on Zendikar, um, Ulamog. They aligned the Hedron network, tried it out. Obnixilis took it down. And then as injury to insult, or insult to injury actually, he brings up Kozalek. Um, fast forward to the very end, and you get to them pulling the Bonds of Mortality, fall the Titans combo, and ending up killing the two Titans permanently.
1: Yeah. Now they had to they had to do the, the Bonds of Mortality because normally they'll draw draws yeah, here tied to, like them into, to the yeah they, they had to pull them into, into, into the reality. reality yeah,
0: yeah which is. Yeah, the weird thing with the Eldrazi is Ugin explained um, to Jace and then Jace reluctantly explained to everybody else is that, you know, the the thing that you see in the plane is not the full extension. That all the (sighs) spawns and drones are just kind of, like, little, like, extensions of their, like, digestive system or whatever.
2: Yeah. And so they kill the Titans successfully. Ugin gets pretty upset at the whole group. Pretty much tells them to leave him be. And Gideon, Chandra, and Nisa kind of trail off into their own adventure. Jace gets some information from Nisa regarding Soren, and then Jace heads to Innistrad. And that's where we go.
0: Yeah, Jace's goal is literally find Soren. That's the only reason he's there.
2: His ambitions in doing that were a little strange. He goes to Innistrad, he meets up with Liliana, and he says he's concerned about Bolas possibly having played a part in... Um, Nahiri and Soren's absence from Zendikar.
0: Well, that's a, that's a good thing to note, because remember that Nicol Bolas is kind of the reason the Eldrazi got out in the first place. Yeah. Jace and Liliana both have history with Bolas, so it's not too far-reaching to, to think that maybe the dragon has a role here.
2: What Jace doesn't anticipate is that Soren is the laziest person in the multiverse and only cares about his own plane. So, so, we're,
1: so we're just like, kind of, yes, yeah, screw guys. It just home. turned
2: out that he, like... Made some bad choices in the past and has to clean up his mess.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how the the story goes from there. Uh, Jace's first meeting with Liliana goes very interestingly because like I didn't realize that Liliana just had a whole mansion to herself. I guess it makes sense.
2: Yeah, I had no
0: idea either. But they spring it on you.
1: I guess she was just able to be like, "And this is my territory."
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess if I was a planeswalker and I knew what plane I wanted to use as my home base, I would make sure that I had like something there to go back to. Yeah,
2: well, we didn't really know it was, we knew it was, like, quote-unquote, a haunt of hers, but we didn't know it was, like, kind of her home plane until up to this set. Right. So, now she has a mansion there, he goes to visit her, um, asks about Soren. she's encountered him before, tells him don't do it, but Jace needs a mystery, so he
1: goes and does it. And even then, Liliana's like, "Whatever's going on around here, stuff's going crazy. Stay out of it." And Jace is like, "Uh, pass. I'm gonna go dig my nose and stuff. I shouldn't."
0: I just
2: and really we've seen the- this like time and time again with Jace, where he just gets a very small taste of something, and then has to go diving straight into it,
0: not really concerned very, about it. Jace feels very single-minded when it comes to things like this. It's like he's got his thing, and he just he's just gonna go after it full tilt, for better or for worse. Uh, The next thing that Jace does is he goes to Markov Manor after Liliana explicitly tells him, Jace, don't go to Markov Manor.
2: What a champion. Um, Yeah, he just goes into Markov Manor. The place is in disarray. He gets weird visions of the original um, progenitors of the Bloodlines dining with Edgar Markov in the original, like, thousands of years ago, I think yeah, it should be thousands of years ago, Yeah, um, finds the book, Tamio's journal, picks that up, gets his ass out of there.
0: Yeah, uh, and the reason why Markov Manor is kind of all in disarray is because uh, Nahiri, who we haven't seen at all in the main sets, has, is on Innistrad, and she was looking for Soren and, and uh, as the flavor text in Declaration of Stone says, uh, which is kind of the... The picture that you get when you see this when you see this image is that uh, this is a warning for Soren, basically yes. saying y'all messed up.
2: Yeah, um, he'd been banished from that home for over a thousand years now, so it's yeah. not like the biggest impact on his home life because he doesn't live there anymore. But it's still pretty insulting.
1: Yeah, she basically made the same kind of mistake, like quote unquote mistake that Jace did. It's Like it says Markov Manor on the label.
2: <laughs> I mean. Yeah. You look up in the address book. You find Markov. You just start smashing the place.
0: No, <laughs> no, Carrie. Um, I don't know if this is in particularly in your wheelhouse, but uh, I know that when the story was released, there's a lot of kind of conversation about how the story was written. Uh, the start of the story was was third person, which is what we're used to from yeah. these magic stories. And then the last, I think, like three quarters of it was all. perspective jace and we got to get in his head and see how he was going mad what did you personally think about that
2: i was fine with the shift um i i'm not too big of a fan like the whole start of test of metal is first person from tezzeret's point of view and i i don't i can't stand it honestly but i don't know in sample doses like this where it was only half the story or in like ob case where it's like I'm doing this for this reason.
0: It's pretty nice. Like, it's refreshing to see that sometimes. Yeah, I found with Ob, it's really good to get in his head because he's such a he's such a fun character just to just be inside his head. And Nick Davidson,
2: like, writes him spectacularly throughout the entire, um, well, before even Battle for Zendikar block. Yeah. I think he did um, Dreams or whatever it was, the original Ob, Nick's list story.
0: Right. Well, from there, Jace finds Tamio's Journal, who we haven't heard of since... You know, Abin restored, and everybody's just like, "Where's Tamio? Where's Tamio?" And now we find her journal, and we don't know where she is yet. So, where does Jace go? He goes to the Drown Yard.
2: Yes. Um. He hangs out at the Drown Yard for a bit, and
1: goes I don't bananas.
0: remember.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I he... just, I just, I refreshed myself on this. Like he, the, he, like the whole Jace's scrutiny card. Basically, he touches the mind of somebody who's already saying, starting to go crazy, and then that just sends him off the deep end.
2: Yeah. And he sees something in the sky that's like obstructed from his field of view, and yeah, I wasn't a fan of this one just because I don't like going too too far into the madness,
0: like specific details. But yeah, yeah, it was really interesting, um, kind of seeing it all, like with Jay seeing his like three other selves. Yeah, that's
2: I I have many opinions on that, but <laughs> yeah, none of them are too kind. Right. No, um, I,
1: it was one of the ones, I was having one of the stories that I def- felt was, when I was just like, mm, that I mean, could probably take taken a different direction.
0: If they're trying to yeah. make, you know, make you feel weirded out that you're on Innistrad. Oh yeah, the that's the thing, on, it's like, it hit, made me feel weird. Yeah, hit that but... the park. Um, yeah. uh, we then get a little bit of an interlude, which is, which could count as a side story, kind of, but it's very integral to the plot, and that is Sorin walking up to Olivia's house with an amazing entrance. Like, that entrance still makes me giddy thinking about it. Um.
2: He has the proposition of, you need to help me um, take down Nahiri for all that she's done. And the deal she ends up striking with him, not in the story, but from um, the player's guide from the Battle... or from the Shadows of Rannis Dread Fat Packs, is that part of that deal... Of Olivia mobilizing for war is that he has to kill
0: Avicen. Yeah, because uh, in case you don't know, Soren made Avicen. That's yes. kind of the whole thing. And this story has some flashbacks for Soren to when the last time he saw Nahiri. And yeah, basically. Was... Oh, go ahead.
2: Whew. That was um, a thousand years ago. She just single handedly dealt with the situation on Zendikar. She comes to Soren trying to ask for help and just misunderstanding
1: just, just, take place. Yeah. She was just like, friends. like, what's up? I called, I got your answering machine. And he's like, Oh yeah, well I disconnected that phone line basically because he has the hell vault and Avison which protect his plane. And she, just, and just the way he would, you know, storm being storm being so flippant and dismissive, just turned somebody who had been sitting in stone for thousands of years, basically going from friendly to like, you know what? Forget you. They got pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and then Soren's I... like and sour's like, eh, you're still a child.
0: Yeah, Nahiri did not take kindly to that as we'll find out a little bit later. Uh, but all we get from all we get from the end of that story is that Nahiri and Soren have a small scrap. This is like right after Soren made Avison. Avison and Nahiri have a small bout, and then it ends with Nih- with Soren saying, I didn't want to have to do this and we don't yeah. know what happens. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. Um we jump to Liliana's indignation, and Jace is afflicted by the madness, he's coming to Liliana and saying, you don't like angels, so you must like be trying to mess with things on this plane. Yeah, because
0: um, yeah, Jace's kind of one one-to-one correspondence is basically like, the angels are going mad, who hates angels? Oh, Liliana hates angels. Uh, In this story, from Liliana's perspective, it was really interesting seeing how Jace was affected by the madness and just had him talking to himself and trying to do what he can. The most interesting thing that I remember from this story was the fact that the Raven Man was there.
1: Yeah, I was going to say
0: this is like speculation central. Yeah, Um, I was so
1: happy. I was so happy to see him come back.
0: Who was apparently protecting Liliana from from Jace trying to get into her head. And acknowledge that he exists, existed, yeah. which to Liliana was a big surprise.
1: Yeah, before he had just been like you know that invisible friend or whatever who who's, who's been there. Like following back her story to her origins story, uh, he was there, basically put her on the path to uh, killing her brother. Yeah, oh, and there he was get back to life. Well, yin, ending in the, in the end run.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so right now, Jusus is a lich. Um, He has set her on... Raven Man has set her on this path. She's made her deal with Bolas, has come here. Um, Bolas had protected her mind for some time um, during Agents of Artifice. Raven Man is trying to extend those protections, but Jace ends up prying in there, seeing Raven Man, debatably, whether you want to be a conspiracy theorist or not. And... Um, he glances at Raven Man, and that's the big point of speculation: is whether he actually sees Raven Man.
0: Yeah, because like there was been there was talk about whether or not Raven Man would be a card in Origins, whether he was. He I, was a legendary I was. I
2: was hopeful. Yeah, I was hopeful, like twenty-four-seven, like counting the collector numbers, trying to figure <laughs> out whether they could make
0: Raven Man a card. Uh, I love it when when the number crunch uh, people get together, and it's just kind of like, what is it going to be? <laughs>
1: I'm just excited that they brought him back specifically for the reason that means we'll probably. Odds odds are we're definitely going to see him again when we get Liliana's story expanded on. We might even see more of him coming up in Elder to Moon. Yeah. But even if we don't, like. I'm sure Liliana's going to be around. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Liliana's going to be around. And they're setting some nice seeds for future stories as we go through.
1: Yeah. And
2: this story ends with Liliana trying to work with Dierk, who is a Geist Mage on Innistrad, and trying to get him to essentially disenchant the chain Veil so she can have all the power with none of the demon or none of the spirits attached.
0: Because that never goes over badly.
2: <laughs> yeah, that the weird thing is though, throughout the promotional art and um, set trailer for Eldritch Moon, we don't see Liliana with the chain veil visibly, yeah. so we don't know the end result of this yet.
0: Right, it could be that she just put the chain veil on on the back burner because, I mean, Liliana is centuries old,
2: so yeah.
0: she could theoretically be incredibly powerful. Yeah. Uh, after that, Jace just follows his next train of thought, because again, he's crazy, so he just goes straight to Thraben, to the Thraben yeah. Cathedral, and this is when we run into Tamiyo and we get a story from her perspective.
2: Yeah. Tameo um, difficult character to work with. We had set her up in the original Innistrad and didn't give her too much expansion on that. Like, we knew what her card did mechanically, which was tap down creatures, drawing for tapped creatures, ultimating so that you can rewind with that emblem infinitely. But, um, she came around this time and she's, like, the non-interventionalist observer who just wants to know the stories of these planes. And doesn't actually care what happens to them.
0: I remember in AVR. Because I didn't play during then. But I, I have gone back and looked at a bunch of. Kind of the flavor text. And a little bit of the lore. Is like. She's a moon folk from Kamigala. Uh, and she's was studying Innistrad's moon. And that's all we had from her. From yeah. AVR. Except for a few bits of flavor text here and there. And then now we get her still studying the moon. Still studying Innistrad. Studying the effect of that on the plane. And now we just see her kind of waltzing through. Um, Walking through the Thiraben Cathedral, trying to yeah. trying to find some things.
2: Um, Avison breaks in, and it's ready. Before Avacyn breaks in, Jason yeah.
0: Tamio they meet up. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, really? they meet she, up.
0: They talk for a bit.
2: Um, she does her story. I think she does a story spell before Avisen comes. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah she, she does. does. She uh, the the mirror, the mirror story. Yeah, yeah and the mirror stories. origin story.
0: Yeah, she does three stories overall. She does one from Kamigawa. Which conceals her identity. She does the Mere Servitor story, which yeah. breaks Jace out of his madness and protects his mind. And then she does one from Cold Snap, um, yes. which is basically firing bolts of ice at uh, Tamio, or not at Tamio, yeah. at Abissin. When Abissin decides to, when Jason Tamio find Abissin.
2: And at the time, that Cold Snap story was like the clinging last hope for merit-based theorists mm. who are like, <laughs> yeah. It ties in somehow, but in the end, like, the people who said the mirror origin story was connected to Phyrexian, or that the Cold Snap origin story was connected to Lage,
1: it just didn't follow through. I just think it's, I just think it's fun. Like, people, when we first got the whole story and was like, she says she's got these locked down stories that she just, well, like, her oh crap button stories that she doesn't want to pull out, it's like... Yeah, she has the is she Sarah's is she under story. is she underhandedly like one of the more like one of those plainswalkers where like you don't want her going crazy or you don't want her actually getting any kind of sense in her head of like I just want to start messing with things because yeah. if she did she could ruin stuff.
2: I would not want to like ever 1v1 her. She just seems to have plenty of things in her arsenal ready. Um of course she has like the forbidden brass scrolls or I think they're brass, um, yes. maybe iron,
0: but it's so, they're they're yeah. bound in some metal. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my few favorite lines from Tamio. Uh, one of them was, um, "You're it was talking to Jace is like you are a telepath and a mind mage. You being exposed to Industrat's madness is bad. If this continues, I can't let you can't let you leave." And then it, like Jace takes like a few seconds to realize that that was a threat and she wasn't joking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I was. Wait, wait what?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was right happy. after. He uh, after right after Tamio cures Jace, she kind of just basically says, "You know, you're a mind mage. You're very you're very sensitive to this to whatever's going on here. I can't let you leave if you're like that."
2: Yeah, um, I was happy with the fact that her card tied mechanically to or like flavorfully to what her story abilities are, since we didn't really know those before. But her being able to like tell stories and tap down creatures. It's just, it's something I enjoy.
0: One of the few things that gets me miffed um, occasionally is, like, people read the story, and then people immediately try to mechanically tie in Tamio's story magic into gameplay terms. And oh,
2: yeah. And at some it's... point,
0: I think that there has to be some dissonance between how the story is told and how the cards relate, because I don't know how you could do that mechanically and have it pay off well to the people who want that.
2: Yeah, I, and there are so many variations in what story she's being able to tell yeah that it's uh, also, not
0: practical uh, also a point it, that the story that Jace pleaded Tamio to say at the end when Avison was basically going getting ready to kill them uh, it showed a picture of the of the card cataclysm yeah and uh. people are and or, or it was a card cataclysm and uh, it was referencing the death of a plane. And everybody immediately jumped to, how the heck does Tamio know about Sarah's Sarah's realm?
2: Yeah, um, I can't answer that. (laughs) Like, she's either been around for a long, long time, or she has the connections. Like, we have Liliana, who knows about, um, knows by name Urza. Um, but, like, besides that, we don't have many connections to, like, in world mythology, where stories are actually passed down, or how Sarah's realm would be known about. Yeah, so, it's like
1: pre-mending is very, very much the mystery realm.
2: Yeah, it's separated tro- by about a hundred years right now. So either she's more than a hundred years old, which I don't know Moonfolk ages, or um, she's able to get these stories from other people and other Planeswalkers. So. Yeah, that seems to it's be It's an weird. interesting,
0: loose thread. It is, it is very interesting to see that, and it's. it'd be very interesting to see um, how, for example, in the most recent story, Tamio talks to Jace and is like, I should write down your story sometime. But first, oh. let's solve this problem. So I'm curious to see if that's how she gets her, her stories for her magic. Yes. Uh, moving on, we get the the climax of Shadows of Innistrad's story. We get the conclusion of the set story, where Soren arrives... And Avis, and we get another story from Abisson's perspective, but this time it's Mad Abisson, and oh boy, is it a, is it a doozy?
1: Yeah, um, just just straight up anguished on making, basically.
2: Yeah, yeah, this was a good one. I mean, Doug Bayer has gotten a lot of the good stories in the past, but he writes for Soren now, so um, the specific thing I like to point out about this one is their whole artwork interlude for like how influential Avison has been on the plane where they like broke away from the story um just as she says like i am Avison, i am to protect and then it goes through a whole series of artworks of everything that she's done to influence the plane and then just nothing you know that she's gone
0: yeah, and good,
2: then jace goes into a frenzy the booming sound soren runs up the stairs because
0: how dare he actually talk to people <laughs> yeah how, how dare I brood in public. <laughs> oh, I think I think that you know people were upset when English and making was spoiled because it was the game day promo and they kind of have to put the game day promos and the and the other promos out a lot earlier uh yeah. than people than they would like the story to be told. It's um, a good card. It's like, a great card. I love the card. <laughs> it's everything you want. Yeah, the um, is great on both versions on the regular card and the promo. Uh, it did like for some people it felt wrong that the that the ending was told at the beginning before most yeah before, like, like during the earlier part of spoiler season yeah, but i think that this story really did pay off on that where it really did kind of go into those details where we get to it's see, not just
2: soren killing Abison, it's like a whole setup for that yeah, um we
0: see avacyn seeing uh, jason tamio as like monsters we see and then we see soren arrive and she's like she can't hurt she like she can't hit soren for some reason and then Soren just kind of, like, calmly, like, come on, child. We need to talk. Let's go downstairs. <laughs> and then it's just, it was great. The entire sequence it, was great. The
2: creation chamber. Yeah,
1: um, I, I think with the whole, like, the just kind of going back to the whole spoiler card thing, it was kind of like if you read a book and you, like, peek at the last little bit of the book. Yeah. And you're like, okay, how do we get there?
2: Yeah, yeah Mark has, Mark Rosewater on his blog has address this quite a few times and he just continually says like it's hard to do the storytelling sequencing when you're also doing it on the cards and i'm fine with it existing like i would have preferred they just delay the
1: game day promo thing especially but we, we, yeah we kind of yeah. saw the same thing though with fall of the titans too it's like well yeah, fall all the right titans cool <laughs>
0: earlier i think that's just more a limitation of the medium like, I think no, it would yeah. be, be the same as if you were playing a video game and you put in the the like the dot, the hack and you got to go to the last boss and you see the ending and you go, okay, well, now I don't need to play this game anymore or whatever. Um, yeah. I think it's just a limitation of the fact that they're trying to tell an engaging story through these vignettes, through these episodes, but at the same time having to you know tell them on the cards so that people can at least know what's going on in the set.
1: Yeah, yes, know the important moments. We're like, Um, basically, the only way they could get around it, I guess, would be like, okay, we're just not going to spoil literally one card. Oops.
2: And they put these cards at like higher rarity. Like, Fall of the Titans was rare. Um, Kozlek's Return was mythic. Yes. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was mythic. Um, And then Coax from the Blind Eternities, which is like the kickoff of. Algird Moon's story is right at rare. Yeah. So
0: the lowest rarity one I can think of is Bonds of Mortality, and it's an uncommon, but it doesn't show. It kind of shows the how, not the not the what.
1: Yeah. That, that would be an ultimate feel bad rare though if you got that. Oh. Card. that card of ter-
0: oh man. Unless you literally got it with the combo, and your opponent just happened to have both Titans. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like, I would have loved like, to be the person who pulled off that combo <laughs> against someone, and just have them stare at them, and just be like, you.
2: And that's the thing. It feels like, out of all the games of sealed that are played across all the pre-releases, somebody is getting an Ahiri, and somebody is getting an Emrakul and somebody's going to play them in the pool together and somebody's going to alt it once. And that's like, (laughs) that's cool. That's really cool. It was really cool
0: when you can flavorfully tell the story through the cards. Like I think it was really interesting uh, when what was it? It was oh god. um, story moment oh it was that uh anguish at making could get rid of Avison. yeah and it hurt <laughs> you because you know it's anguishing to try and undo your own creation yeah um there are a few other story moments in the cards like that so before we move on to Eldris moon spoiler or the Eldritch Moon story that we've gotten so far uh another great piece of flavor is we have flavor text on the cards which occasionally give us a little bit more insight into the world and give us a better picture alongside the art which um quick shout out to the artists of magic they do an outstanding job
2: just continually it's
0: it's It's gone up greatly and yeah
1: yeah like everything like we've heard from even the artists themselves talking about it now is like like the art direction and the story direction that they've been getting from wizards has just like increased like tenfold recently for them and like just them having a better direction, I guess, is a while, Like, can help make it so great.
2: Yeah, so. I just follow so many on Twitter. It's kind of constant feed whenever new spoiler stuff comes out. When artists are actually posting the new arts,
1: yeah. they get it's, so excited. Too. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm true. happy with
2: it.
0: Yeah. So we're so real quick. Let's just go ahead and go into our favorite flavor texts. Uh, I listen mine as the pious evangel, wayward disciple combo because it just so flavorfully tells what's going on in the card. Because on the Pius Evangel side is my faith guides my hand, and he's a soul sister. He gains you life whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control. And then when he transforms, and I will prove my devotion, is the blood artist ability, where whenever a creature you control dies, you gain one life and an opponent loses one life. Uh, I really love how that flavor text and the, the art on the card changes, and how the mechanics of the card just just do a complete 180. It is a very, very sweet card to see. Uh, Ian, what's your favorite flavor text?
1: Well, I have kind of two, and one is kind of like now looking back in retrospect, but the first one's got to be the Brian Kibler Invitational Card of Murderous <laughs> Compulsion. Uh,
0: murderous <laughs> Compulsion.
1: Um, it's it, Mainly, I, lo- I love the flavor. It has no flavor text regarding the story, but it is very much, um, I'm a musical theater geeks. So it's very much uh, Sweeney Todd, mm. the Demon Barber of Fleet like, Street. With the fact that I was like, thank you, this blade has become so hot in my hand and your but your blood has quenched it. Like that's like what had happened in Sweeney Todd. Like he went nuts and like the his blade called to him. And like the only way like to calm it down was to kill people with it. and it was just ah oh, so cool. But in retrospect, now that we've seen Emmercull the Promised End, I think Mad Prophet, the flavor text on that is so good in retrospect. <laughs> So w- All right. What so is the flavor now? text, the flavor text for Mad Prophet is: "I have seen it, seen the end, seen the beginning, the beginning of the end. Not death. No, no transcendence."
0: Ah, oh, that's pretty. The good. promised
1: end. Yeah. It's it's like you look at it now and you're just like, ooh, that's good.
0: That is really good. Uh, Kerry, what about you?
1: Um, I'm gonna go pretty
2: rare and say Ormendol, Profane Prince. Yeah. Uh, it goes right into. The story, well, it starts all the way back in Avistan restored when Liliana gets Thalia to crack the hell Vault. Liliana's tracking Grisselbrand um, across a few, like, few local areas, and then she ends up killing him as he was one of the demonic um, masters that did her deal. And then the flavor text for Ormondal profane princes with Grisselbrand gone, the skirks, the skirks Dag eagerly awaited another demon to claim their devotion. Ormondal did not make them wait long. And then right at the beginning of, um, what was it? The full moon story, the very first story of Shadows over Innistrad, we get the cultists in the wood trying to sacrifice somebody. And then them having said that Ormondal has already risen. Ormondal is the new Skirsteg lord, for that yeah. matter.
0: Yeah then I oh, yeah. think Ormondal was referenced both in the beginning story where there was the wife who was who was kill who was going to sacrifice the husband out in the woods, and that's when we first see Arlen. And then uh, he was referenced again in the Thalia story because of the Church of Avison becoming an Inquisition and yeah. basically saying the Skurzak had infiltrated, you know, the inner sanctions. Yeah. It was Yeah, basically, you know?
1: basically the Church of Avicen was like, uh it's now an extension of Ormondal.
0: Yeah. And
2: I liked the corruption of the church I would have like it's hard to say what exactly I wanted from the Skirstag in part 2 because we had known that they were infiltrating the church all the way back in original Innistrad but I would not rather have like the whole church fall in the order of St. Traft having been created but I'm happy that the order of St. Traft exists because it's like Thalia Odric, everyone I love just doing good things
0: yeah so that ties neatly into our Eldritch Moon stories. We've had three so far. Uh, we had it released early this week on Monday as opposed to Wednesday, and they reposted it on Wednesday, which made a few people unhappy. I would have liked to see a new story on Wednesday as well, but I can't blame them. There's, o- there's only so many people in creative over at Wizards. Uh, but the first story we had was a short story about Arlen. Uh, Carrie, do you have anything you want to talk about with the Arlen story?
2: I liked that... It had the little flashback for um, Arlen's original stint with the church. Um, besides that, I don't know. I just like Arlen's stories. I like that she's set up to be like a good leader or a good protector for the world of Innistrad. I don't know if I can take another planeswalker being like stuck to a plane having to protect things 24-7, but... I don't know. I'll have to wait to see what her role is in the end of um, Eldritch Moon's story.
0: I mean, to be fair, that hasn't stopped Jace, so...
2: Yeah. yeah. I, well, Jace is like, oh yeah, I'm the Guild Pact. I can do whatever I want. Sorin exists on Innistrad, but he like does the, the bare minimum to upkeep the world. I
0: mean, his protections yeah. were Hell, Vault, and Avisen, and now they're gone, yeah. so...
2: He spent a lot of effort making those, but yeah. then... Who knows yeah, just how not. much of
1: himself he literally poured into that, too.
0: Yeah. We and, also don't know how he got the freaking piece of silver from the moon there. I mean...
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, Kelly Diggs has said that, like, planeswalkers have frequented moons before the mending occurred, but now they kind of, like, need oxygen and are yeah. normal. So yeah.
0: it's that, not going to be as likely. And that ties into yeah. the second story we had, which was entirely from Nahiri's point of view, and it was finally clearing up so many misconceptions that people had, which was, what is Nahiri's motivations? Why is Nahiri doing this? What brought her to do this? And I think it cleared up a whole bunch of confusion from a lot of the magic community.
2: Yeah, um, this was good. I mean, I just I love Kelly Diggs' stories like 24-7. Um, we get to know that she was actually trapped in the hell vault in the end, and that she hung out with Avicen in there and a few other demons, um, yeah. And then she busts free. She's she, ready to.
1: She's been she a long time in there.
2: Yeah, that was quite a while. Um, was was she...
1: that was that actually the first time we've we've seen uh, like what it was like inside the Hell Vault?
2: I believe so. Yeah, it's exile. I expected it to be nothingness. It was cool that it was like the flapping of the wings around her,
0: but. Yeah, because it got, it got crowded and, and then they and felt, then they busted out.
1: It felt very Phantom Zone-ish from, like, Superman.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we got to see Nahiri interacting with Soren at the very start from Nahiri's point of view. We get to see her break out. We get to see how things are different now because Nahiri was a planeswalker pre-mending and now she's post-mending and what it meant to be a planeswalker drastically changed. So now she couldn't just be like oh no, I have a cut, I'm going to just heal it. And yeah. she can't, and she, as she put it, the walls between the planes are thicker now.
2: Yeah. Um, that was interesting. It's been something that people have demanded like time and time again. They wanted to know what Ugin felt like when the mending happened. Like when he woke up from his stasis that Sarkin created. Um, they wanted to know what Nahiri, where Nahiri was, and how that actually affected her. And I think the story delivered it well. They aren't yeah. gods anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it well, also, it also you know, I was going to say, it also showed, too, that, like, she actually dealt with a threat on her own that we, like, hadn't really known about. Like, it's like they almost got loose yeah. before.
2: And she's a powerful character. Um, I don't expect her to be much less powerful throughout the entire um, Eldritch Moon story. I don't know if we're actually going to encounter though, her, though, because it depends on how long she actually sticks around. Yeah.
0: Uh, another big thing with uh, Nahiri was... I had a thought, and I lost it. I hate it when that happens. Sorry. It's, it's okay. Uh,
2: she does take a little vacation to Balagued, I think.
0: Yeah, she goes She goes to Zendikar, she goes to Balagued, and then that's when she does the whole bit She from...
2: figures out that, that the Titans are loose. Yeah. Ready um, to avenge...
0: Which opens up a very nice uh, thing because now that they are now that the Titans are gone, um, and Nahiri presumably doesn't know that Ulamog and Kozlak are dead, and that Zendikar is free from the Eldrazi, it it puts a very interesting point in the future if Nahiri finds out that Zendikar is fine.
2: Well, yeah, and the fact that Jace is grabbing the other Gatewatch members as we'll see in Emercall Rises, he's going to grab the other Gatewatch members, but like three out of four of their group are partially responsible for releasing the Titans, but they killed them, yeah. but they're also responsible for releasing them on her home. Yeah. So I would just like skip the we release them and just be like, we're the heroes
0: here. Yeah. It's,
1: it's like, how they get out? Uh, but we saved no. them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and that brings us very neatly into Emrakul Rises. Uh, this is where we finally get to see who was causing all the mischief on Innistrad, and it wasn't a big surprise to most people. It was Merit yeah. Lage.
2: <laughs> yeah, Merit Laje, Sims, <laughs> yes. all of them, combined. All of them um, combined. So Nahiri is summoning Emrakul to Innistrad. Um, start off with a little blood from Nahiri, and then it switches to Melee's story, and you... Know about Melee from um, the beginning of the Shadows of Innistrad story, when he prayed to Avison
1: and the gaze, now, the gaze, dark and pitiless, right?
2: Yes, and now Such they're absent. A, <laughs> yeah,
0: now, now is just kind of not answering any prayers. We then get a blurb from a cultist trying to get as close to uh, Emrakul as we can get, and yeah. we see the first beginnings of the kind of the weird kind of recall thing that that people have been calling it.
2: Yeah. I would have liked um, this art for the cultist. Reminds me of Brian Shaman, which was mm. the original one for um, somebody praising Merit Lage, mm. I believe. Like, huh. make sure. But hey. I like the art. Yeah, the art is If you look especially at
0: the... like leaning forward.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: the the face looks a little weird too. And if you look at the rocks, the rocks are have the lattice in it too, yeah, yeah, which I think is... they did
0: a really good job with her with the cultists being like just like trying to get as close as they can without slipping off the rocks. Uh, then we get that amazing art of Imbrical coming out of the sea. Uh, yes. Then we get the next piece of art that has people really speculating, um, which was the Bruna and Gisella being merged together into one into one being, uh, which is yeah. very creepy and it's. <laughs> It's making a lot of people think it's going to be a legendary creature. I'm not so uh, so hopeful, but it that has to be a card somewhere.
1: I've, I've been hearing people refer to it refer to it as Brunella. Oh
0: god. <laughs> um,
2: the odds of it being a legendary creature aren't like too diminished. Before this set came out, I would have never expected them to do a legendary Eldrazi creature that wasn't um, one of the Titans. But now that we've seen what will become the future of Hanweir. Um, yeah i'm i'm debatable on yeah. it right now that would be interesting
0: yeah. uh, another I... thing that i that i picked up on uh, was there's some speculation if you look at the art for the bruna and gisella um, m- uh, fusion you'll notice that it has a very similar color palette to Ulamog. and yes. there's some distinct some like distinct similarities between what this now Angel looks like and what Ulamog looked like. What do you think, Carrie?
2: I'd be I know the original post that you're referring to on Tumblr, um, where they're saying that she might be creating like new titans or like essentially new titans to replace Emmer, Cole, and Kozla or um Ulamog and Kozelak. I'm not sold on it at the moment because I know that she's transforming a great deal of the creatures on Anistred to be her brood, but if that turns out to be their purpose, um, that has been like hidden from us until this point.
0: Yeah. Emrakul is we the wouldn't be we too know. upset. Yeah, Immercool is something we know the least about. Like we know all yes. about Ulamog and Co's like, but Emrakul has been purposely kept in the dark. Yeah.
1: I mean if you look at the art though for it, it also does hearken to just Emrakul's shape, like the way the wings are kind of formed, like the, yeah, the, the gap for the her eye head. gap. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I, I think it's creepy as hell, and I love the body horror that they've done for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then after that, we get a piece with Jace and Tamio, um, where Jace and Tamio are just kind of chasing after Imbercool, And Tamio asks a question that I don't think anybody would ask. "Is like, I wonder what she calls herself.
2: Yeah. Um, not a question I have an answer to. <laughs> I do like the art of her holding that lantern over the innsmouth people. In the little pool head. And then she protects Jace's mind so that he's able to go grab his friends. He heads off to Zendikar and picks up with Nisa, Chandra, and Gideon. And that's where our last story drops off.
0: Yeah, and that's where the story is going to pick up from there with... I mean, there's a bunch of speculation that's gone on as to what might happen in the future. Uh, But one thing I want to touch on before we move on to kind of the other parts of the story that we've seen is I really <laughs> loved in this story how the transition between each section oh has yeah the, the uh, same phrase at the same. end and the beginning I loved I, it <laughs> I felt I felt that was a very neat way to tie everything together and to kind of add oh. to the whole thing of like it seemed like all the Emrakul spawn just want to be one want to become like one um, cuz it's like um we were cool b were cool one were cool or whatever and then all all that tying together was very very nice
1: yes it's it's incredibly creepy just like the they didn't they, they didn't overplay the like the be recall one recall like they could really potentially just run it into the ground i hope they don't
2: yeah i'm fine with it for this story cuz it was like the reveal but past this i would be fine with those thoughts like entering their minds occasionally but i don't want it too heavily
0: played uh, and then this is a great time to kind of reflect back because um, up to this point, we've had about three and a half spoiler cards uh, released uh, because the point five is related to the uh, ARG that the community team uh, did with the Hanwear Chronicle, uh, yes. which was just a, a newspaper written by uh, Oliver Hayfield, who is a member of the community of Hanwear. And we got to see all the madness kind of start from the beginning of the Shadow spoilers up till now.
2: Yeah. They built themselves a wall, trapped themselves in, and are having difficulty writing with one pen. So
0: <laughs> that was so that was the best line in the entire last entry of the Hanwer Chronicle. Uh, the second to last entry was they're getting rid of the bylines because again they're just trying to be one unit, they're trying to make it one town, and if you don't follow if you don't fall in line, you get kicked out. And now awesome. we see with the card, the Hanweir the writhing township, uh, they're now a ooze.
1: Yeah, one of the ones that kind of, it was like a couple months ago, but like the communal meals thing was kind of creepy as well. Like it, it says all human residents, not something you usually put in a, in a newspaper like that for communal meals That's and true. just con, and like all the birth announcements were nothing but twins. Mm. I didn't notice it's that. It's just like, yeah, it's kind of creepy. But yeah, the no buy wins. The byline thing was great, and the 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 people at Wizards, like namely, uh, you know, Allison, one of the community managers, and her team, who uh, coordinated across all the different regions, they they knocked it out of the park with this uh, Honkier Chronicle thing. Absolutely. I really hope to see. It. I hope to see it again for Kaladesh in some way, cool shape or form.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do something as good as the Chronicle did, but man, it is quite quite. Uh, spicy. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of our predictions for the future of the story. Uh, we know that Jace is bringing back the Gatewatch to Innistrad to help try and deal with the threat of Emrakul because Gideon did tell him, "Hey, buddy, let me know if you find Emrakul or let us know if you need anything." And now we've got all of it coming to a head. Now, Ian, what do you think is going to happen?
1: Oh, uh, the rest of the story? I don't know. Like I I'm really curious to see just how exactly everything's going to tie in. Like we've seen these little bits and pieces of people across the plane who are trying to fight back against the darkness and I'm just really curious as to how they're all going to tie together cuz they might just be, you know, bits and pieces here. I know the gatewatch is going to be kind of the oddball out they're gonna be really out of their element especially like nissa it's gonna be yeah. weird
0: all right so given all that carrie what do you think what are your predictions for uh, the future of the story
2: so we have a whole bunch of resistant groups um the gatewatch like you said is coming in the order of saint Traft exists and that's splintered from the church of Avison. Um, You have Arlen Kord, who wants to be, or is taking up a protector role for the plane. You have Sigarda, whose two sisters have fallen. Um, You have Soren, who has recruited Olivia's army. But I don't see many of them working together, is the biggest issue. Um, Olivia and Soren have kind of kept up the vampire supremacy for a few thousand years like Soren literally created Abyssin just to keep the vampires from overfeeding but so that they still had a powerful role against the humans of Innistrad yeah, yeah. and um, so i don't see them actually getting any ally help from the order or the gatewatch but who knows
0: i think it's really interesting also cuz um we there's still Liliana cuz we don't know whose whose side yes. she's she's going to she's going to you know sit on
1: yes hers
0: (laughs) yeah her own (laughs) typical mono black character her own side got it um and so she's gonna protect in a shot from Emical, but in what
2: capacity as a member of the Gate Watch, possibly getting the prophesized black oath to finish off the cycle that everyone wants finished off um or whether she's just going to yeah, or whether she's just gonna do it in her own right.
0: Yeah, humans just love complete cycles, and I know I don't, I don't believe, I can't believe how much of a, of a frenzy went over the fact that there was no black oath. Um, it'd be really interesting to see if Lily decides to join the Gatewatch or not. Uh, my yeah. bet's on no, personally, but I could be proven wrong. Who knows?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I just would. Think,
2: yeah. I would bet on Arlen joining the Gatewatch at some point, but. I don't know. With her stories with Helen and Alina, she doesn't seem to want to work in alliance with other people. So yeah, she seems
1: she's all... very
0: solitary, solitary.
1: Yeah. And who knows if she's ever going to like want to jump planes and just instead of like she's yeah, already seen how screwed up on yeah yeah she sees already how screwed up Inistrad is. So she's like, I'm gonna stay here, maybe.
0: Yeah, she could be like <laughs> Starkin, who's just kind of like, you know what, Tarkir's is great. I'm just gonna stick around here for a while. This is gonna be awesome. Well, All
1: right. one, I mean, one thing, too, we can also consider on the court is she might not want to spread lycanthropy to other planes, if that would ever be an issue.
0: I mean, I don't think that... I think she is in control of her curse, so she wouldn't be the cause of spreading lycanthropy. But... Well,
1: there's there's Nickel Bolas.
0: Yeah, let's have were-dragons. That sounds fun.
1: Oh, I mean, well, I'm saying... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, I mean like... All Nicol Bolas has to do is just start messing around with things. It's like, oh, there's a werewolf. Let's spread havoc to other planes. It's like, yeah. Hey, to be fair, we... he's got them busy on the Eldrazi. Yeah. So,
2: like I'm we... whatever he's doing, he has done successfully, as everyone is busy racking their mind around how to deal with the Eldrazi.
0: Like all we know about Nicol Bolas and his kind of machinations to kind of take it into a little bit of a side tangent is he just wants to try and get his old power back from pre- yeah. the pre-mending. That's all we know yes and we've seen a few of his machinations here and there but we we haven't really sat down with Nick Bolas and been like so Bolas tell me what do you want out of this <laughs> yeah i don't think we're going to get that story for a while anyways
2: yeah he's a long he's a villain for the long run and the Eldrazi seem to be shorter term than he is um i don't honestly know what he's up to like he got some of his power back on Alara, but we never really got like a scale of how much. Yeah. So right
0: now, he's just toying around. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings us to a close here. Uh, Carrie, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, no problem.
0: And uh, if people want to hear more or read more of your articles, where can people find you?
2: Um, I write on Gathering Magic under Carrie Thomas-Barkett. I'm on Twitter at Vronos and on Tumblr at Vronos.tumblr.com.
0: But besides that awesome uh ian where can people find you
1: people find me on twitter at dixon ij or on twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks i should be streaming more magic tomorrow i've been having an issue with obs so i'm still working that out but uh more magic tomorrow more magic next week probably mass effect and some other video games the week after who knows it'll be fun times
0: awesome awesome uh, you, are can, you John. Uh, you can find me on twitter at jwiley129 you can also find me on twitch by that same handle if you want to reach the podcast directly we are on twitter at eyes and the minds exactly as it's spelled if you have a more personal question you can email us at eyes at gmail.com once again i want to thank carrie for joining us please leave us a review on itunes again we'll give you guys a shout out at the top of the show and thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week